I'm Dr. Wendy Bruton, and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing life stories, interviews, and information that I know will be of value to you and to your life and to the lives that you touch. If you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I hope that this is a place where you feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. Today on I Used to Be a Therapist, we get to listen in on the conversation that I had with my friend Jill Price. She's actually my daughter's mother-in-law. That's how we met. And the first time I met Jill, I knew that we would hit it off. She's so authentic and patient and just fun to be around. She's inviting. I really like that. And uh, Jill is a wife, a mom, a grandma, a sister, daughter, an aunt, friend, coworker, foster care and adoption advocate. And she's just pretty much amazing. She is a huge lover of people and has a servant's heart, and she is a strong woman of faith. Uh, When I started this podcast, I knew right away that Jill was a person I wanted to interview. She has an amazing story of experiencing a life-changing event that I know will be of value to everyone who listens. After doing foster care for a while, she and her husband, Brent, decided to adopt a sweet little boy, Sam. He is brilliant, energetic, and full of imagination. I really like being around Sam. They adopted Sam after her own kids were almost grown. Um, This changed what her life would look like, and we all get to hear about that decision today. The joys and the challenges that it brought, and um, we get to hear about her wisdom. We also get to hear an amazing story of how their decision to change their life changed and blessed another family forever. It was a great story. I'm really glad you get to listen in today. Hi, my friend. It's good to hear your voice. Hey, Wendy. Hey, I'm so glad you're here with us today. And I can't, this is like a little nervous for me and a little nervous for you, right? We're we're getting used to the whole uh, talking on the phone and being recorded thing. So we're going to get started because I want to hear your story. We all want to hear your story today. Tell us, first of all, a little bit just about yourself. I got to introduce you already, but just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do every day. Well, first and foremost, I'm a mom and a wife and a grandma. Those are my most important jobs that I do every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I work in our local school district and middle school in the office. And so I get to interact with wonderful and fun middle school kids and teachers and staff. Um, so parents, just a, it's a fun environment to be in, something that um, I feel like I've found my place that's, there. That's <laughs> so, great. I'm so glad. They're lucky to have you. And we know each other because our kiddos are married. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So my, my dad, boy married your girl. Yes. <laughs> Yes, they did. And actually where I'm sitting right now, I'm looking at a picture of them together, those cute kiddos. So we love them. 
Anyway, today though, we're going to talk about one of your other kiddos. Uh, We're going to talk about adoption and you adopting Sam. So let's just start with that. And can you tell us a little bit about Sam first? I want to hear about him and maybe then a bit about your story of how you came to adopt that sweet boy. All right. Well, Sam is eight years old and uh, he's been in our family. He's been with us since he was nine days old. So we got him as a newborn. Mm -hmm. Um, He is hilarious. He has the craziest sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He is uh, quick-tempered. <laughs> uh, he gets mad really quickly. <laughs> he um, is funny and very active, and I'm old. And <laughs> sometimes it's exhausting. <laughs> I'm over 50, so having an 8-year-old is sometimes challenging, but I would not trade it for the world. Um, he is definitely meant to be part of our family. Yeah. So tell us, how did he, how did you decide to adopt him? So he came to your, your family first in foster care, right? So you were doing foster care. care. Yes. So we, um, he was the first baby that we ever brought into our home as a foster child. We had taken the toddler and school age before that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what made us think we should take on a baby, but we did. And we got a call on December 23rd of oh 2011, and they said, we have this little baby. We know, want to know if you'd be interested in him. And I don't know. If people aren't familiar with the foster ring, you get a phone call. You make a decision whether you're going to take the child or children, and they come to you that day typically. So mm-hmm. um, I know I was putting gas in my car <laughs> at the time I got the call. And I called my husband and he said, whatever you need to do to make it happen, let's do it. And so late that night, um, CPS arrived with this little bundle. He was just under five pounds, tiny little thing. He was coming straight from the hospital. And I will tell you, our family fell head over hills in love that night. We had no plan to adopt. Sam was not adoptable at the time. He was strictly foster, and that's what we felt we were called to do was short-term care. It was never on the horizon to, in our minds anyway, to adopt. Mm-hmm. And so we just brought him in, and our goal was to love him and have him for the time um, we were given, and then to return him to his family when the time was right and the courts deemed it. And so, so that wasn't <laughs> expected at all. No, not expected at all. We, I mean, honestly, we didn't feel called to adoption. We never talked about really adopting. We felt called to foster. Mm -hmm. We felt called to provide short-term care for those who, you know, needed help for, for parents who couldn't care for their children, for children who couldn't be cared for by their parents for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was not the plan. At all, but God had other plans, and I'm so thankful for that. Good, yeah. That's isn't that true? Like our plans are not always what actually ends up being the ultimate plan, right? It is so true. So true. So how did that decision happen? Well, it's interesting. I was asking my husband, "Hey, 
Do you remember a time that we ever just said, hey, we should adopt Sam? Um, and actually, that never actually happened. It, it became evident probably six to nine months into care of him when mm-hmm. he was still a baby that, that most likely he was not going to get to go home, that his parents were going to be unable to um, provide for him and that he was going to most likely end up at some point in his life, um, you know, being available for adoption. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that we ever had a conversation where we said, should we or should we not? It was just understood that we would. We, like I said, we loved him from the moment he came in. There was always something about him. Um, We we always felt like he was ours, even though he wasn't. And Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a decision that we made. It's just a decision that happened and that we, we all knew us and our kids. Yeah. Because um, when we got Sam, we still had several children living at home. That's really, that's an interesting um, experience that you had because we also adopted and we had sort of the similar experience. I mean, it was different in lots of ways, but as far as just knowing that that child was my child or our child. You know, we never okay. questioned that about our daughter who we adopted. It just, it was always, we just knew. And so we never really had that discussion either. Like, would we or would we not? It just was something that right. we knew. So that's interesting. You had that ex- same experience. Have you had that same experience with other kids that you, I mean, did you think those same things with other kids or was it only with Sam? We've never had another child that at the time that we had them, that they were eligible to be adopted. So no, I I don't think we've ever felt that way. We did have a child in particular that we fostered for a short period of time that I thought he might become eligible for adoption. And I was gung ho about adopting him um, if that were to happen. But I was the only one that felt that way. (laughs) So it wasn't a mutual. That's, (laughs) that's interesting. It wasn't like kind of a mutual feeling. It wasn't, but that's okay. Um, No, that's good. I think that's, there's some, (laughs) some clarity. I mean, that's, it gives some clarity when you can, when both of you know, for sure, or if you're not in agreement either way, right. That you both do that. Yeah. And interesting when he was in our care, he was not adoptable. He, he left our home and went back to family. And um, so at that time, it wasn't really an option, but he, that particular child never really left my heart. I always wondered about him and thought about him and asked about him a few times. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that's, that's good. I mean, it, it isn't with everybody, but you had some connection with some of those kiddos that you've had in your home, that kind of connection. I would say that definitely there was a connection, but different in that. With all the other children, we were, from the beginning, working towards reunification with their family. Sure. Um, there were ongoing visits, and there was getting to know the family and the parent, parents or parents. Um, mm-hmm. And so just really, it just really wasn't that thought mm-hmm. because that wasn't an option. Yeah. So I, I am interested in, did you, when you were making this decision or when it was happening, basically, because it kind of was a process that was happening. Did you seek counsel anywhere, like with friends or family or counselor or I don't know? I mean, 
Yeah, ask my husband about that too. Did we see California? <laughs> that sounds crazy, but um, you know, I, I just I couldn't really think about. I, I don't. We did not really. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to a counselor. I would say that we had conversations with our parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with our kids, because obviously it impacted our, the lives of our kids. But I, I think it was already determined what we were going to do. I will say there was conversations with attorneys and with CPS and sure. um, because of just determining what the next step was sure. um, in, in a very long process, even though we had Sam from day nine of his life. His adoption wasn't finalized until he was five and a half. It was a very long journey. Yeah, it's a long process, right? Yeah. When, when, yes. when kiddos come out of foster care, it's a very long process. We had that same experience. So, and I'll have to tell that story on an, another day. So, right. <laughs> but it was, it really was that same kind of experience. Um, but I do know, I mean, I know you enough to know that you were seeking wisdom from people like your parents or even just listening to the the conversations that were happening around you. I'm sure you were. Certainly, certainly. I think many conversations happen. I I think when you asked did we seek counsel, we didn't go and officially seek counsel, but we certainly talked to a lot of different people, our own siblings, our parents, our children, Mm -hmm. um, because you know, our children were mid to late teens and 20s at the time when we were going through all of this. So, mm-hmm. And what were what was the response of those folks that you were talking with? Well, I think without doubt, everybody was in agreement that that's what needed to happen. You know, Sam had been with us for so long. And he I mean, he was just part of the family before he was sure. officially part of the family. He just was our fifth child, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So you had the the response from your community or for your family and friends that it was just a positive response and yes. probably nobody really even questioned it because of how he came to your family, you know, from the very yeah, beginning. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that's true that it was a very natural progression for for him to stay a part of our family. Yeah. So what do you think has been the biggest blessing of making this choice? Well, obviously, Sam is the biggest blessing. You know, he's an amazing kid. But I will say that um, in addition to Sam, just something besides him, is just the opportunity that it's given us to talk to people about fostering adoption, to share our story, to encourage people to give financially, you know, if if they're unable or to foster or to adopt, to, to support agencies, to support people that do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just, I think awareness, we've, we've been able to create a lot of awareness about it. And I think that's been a real blessing. That is a blessing. And I would say also, you've had such an impact on your own family, the community, certainly, you know, bringing awareness, but the impact that you've had on your family that I've seen, I mean, your own kids now, grownups, who've followed your, you know, your path. Yes. Like one of our daughter and her husband um, have fostered children and mm-hmm. um, they're not currently fostering because they have a brand new baby. Yes. But they will so adorable, by the way. 
so oh, adorable. She's precious. <laughs> she, oh my I gosh. Mean, they intend to continue to foster and they hope to adopt. And so certainly it's been very impactful on our family. Yeah. But, I, but I'll tell you that it was, you know, our kids that kind of pushed us along the path of fostering in the first place. I mean, they're the ones that really said, hey, why aren't we doing this? Can't we do this? So they've always had a heart for that. <laughs> so they were the ones who started that conversation maybe in your home? Yes, I think I think that we had a presentation at our church that kind of opened our eyes to it as a family in general, but it took a little while and, and, our, and our kids were very, very much wanting us to do that and, and pushed for it, you know, at a point where we, we weren't sure that we could or would move forward. You know, it was really the, the desire of the kids that kept us moving forward in the process. Yeah, you have some great kids. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you really do. So there was a lot of blessings and a lot of great things that have come out of this. But I also know that there have been struggles, just like with any big change. There's uh-huh. and even grief, right? There's even uh-huh. some grief, there's some loss that happens with really big changes. And so I want to talk a little bit about that, but talk about expectations for life. So I'm sure that your expectations for your life changed, right? When you adopted a, a kiddo, when you were <laughs> <laughs> about ready to not have any kiddos in your home. Right. So, yeah, um, so what, true. what were your expectations for this time of your life? Like now and how have they changed? I'll talk about that a little bit. Well, I did not anticipate that at 54 that I would have a child in elementary school. I, could be an empty nester right now and enjoying all that that brings with it. I don't know what all it brings with it because I'm not there. Um, <laughs> but I can imagine, you know, the, the the time and, you know, the things you get to do for yourself or for others because don't. it sounds bad to say you're tied down, but you certainly are when you're still raising a young child. You, you are somewhat sure. tied down and, and limited on some of the things you might would do. Um, that other people mm-hmm. might would do at this age. So certainly that changed. And, you know, we laugh about retirement that, you know, we're going to retire probably before our kids even graduate high school. So, I mean, that's a different, that's a different yeah. story than I ever imagined. I'm mm-hmm. not sad about it. You know, I no, mean, it is what no. it is. I wouldn't change it for the world, but I do sometimes think about how different our lives would be right now if we didn't. If we didn't have Sam, I do not want to experience that because I'm incredibly thankful and grateful that we have him. But it certainly sure. did change our course <laughs> for, you know, these years of our of time in our life. Yeah. And and I'm interested, too, in like, how did it change your marriage? Did it change your marriage at all? Certainly. I would say... My husband is much softer with this last child than he was with our older kids. And just seeing a different side of him, that's not to say he he loved the older kids any less, but there is just a special bond between Sam and Brent. And it's, it's different, and it's neat to see. It's really neat to see that love Mm -hmm. and you know my we've had this conversation many times my my adult children say that Sam's a favorite and that 
he gets away with everything that he, they would never get away with the thing that Sam gets away with. But let's just face the facts. We're tired. <laughs> right. Isn't that the truth? Sometimes you're like, oh, uh, you know, that's not that big of a deal. It was a really big deal when my kids were little the, and I was younger, but it was really not a big deal right now. And I'm not going to even bother with that. So, right. you know, there's a life is it's different um, being older parents. Yeah. But I, it has been really just very cool to see, you know, the differences between now and that's then. That's cool. Watching how you've, I mean, seeing how your husband has changed uh-huh. and, and probably even how you have changed together and how you interact together as parents is very different too. Certainly. Yeah. Well, and we only have one to focus on now. We, you know, we have only have one in our home, whereas, you know, there were three and four, Right. you know, and time is spread between the multitude of children that you have. And, you know, at, at times mm-hmm. we had six when we you know when we have fostering and still had our own children at home so it's definitely mm-hmm. different uh, parenting one child as opposed to multiple it is and I, I agree with you too on being you know just older and having dis- different expectations for kiddos mm-hmm. because I mean I think about that even I mean just with my grandkids to think about oh that's just not that important and I I wonder if it's because we have seen as our kids have gotten older we have seen the whole like the whole journey of it so we know that in the end those little things don't really matter and before when we didn't know that whole journey we only saw like this moment in time we're like this is such a big deal you're not going to be a good person uh-huh. and, and you know, if you, so true if you don't give up your blanket today life will end <laughs> and you're gonna be I don't know it's really yeah and so we have seen you know in the end it doesn't those little things are just so not important and and it, I think it does I don't know maybe even make you a uh, it might be I don't know if better is the right word but certainly just more relaxed and yes and different um, sure very different yeah so thank you so much for sharing is there anything else that you wanted to share at all about your journey your experience can i tell you a little story i would love to hear a story okay so just a quick something exceptionally cool that came from this experience so just at work and talking about our experiences, I had a foster child who was a seventh grader and went to my campus. So she had a lot of exposure to my coworkers. And one of my coworkers' daughter befriended her and it was a really neat relationship. But eventually that child went home and, and life carried on. But this particular family began to think and consider adoption. One day we were just having a conversation and I said, um, hey, did I ever tell you that I got a call about the, the little boy we fostered in the past and they're looking for a forever family for him and unfortunately we can't be that, but did I ever tell you about that? And she was like, no, what do you mean? And so through a course of conversation and some quick online communication, I was able to connect her to the caseworker for this precious little boy uh, who I love dearly. And 
just this past year, I got to go to court and witness the adoption of this little boy into my coworker's family. And so that is something that is incredibly cool. I think that God just kept that little boy in my heart until the moment when the family that was meant for him came around. And and what a what a blessing to get to be a part of seeing a family find their forever child because we fostered it opened that door amazing it is an amazing story and they are an amazing amazing family and he's a precious little guy and one that god just wouldn't let me let go of and it wasn't because he was intended to be a part of our family and that was really hard for me to understand but Mm -hmm. god had other plans and he had a place for him and i just such a cool thing to get to be a part of that and and help another family you know, find their, their, their kiddo. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. That's a great, I have goosebumps all over the, hearing that story. It, it's so true that what we go through, I mean, we don't even know what the end is going to be. And the oh. decision that you made a long time ago to, you know, even just to foster kiddos, right. That uh-huh. all of those things led to this, this sweet boy having a family uh-huh. and those sweet parents having their their own kid. So that's amazing. Um, I have another question for you I just thought of. Okay. I would love to hear wisdom that you have for other people. And Ooh. like anybody, <laughs> so <laughs> any wisdom that you have for people that might be considering this same decision or Actually, any other big life-changing decisions, what would be your advice to them or your wisdom for them? First of all, I would say don't quiet the voice within. When you feel you're being led in a direction, don't think that you're just imagining things or that can't be what God has planned for you because you just don't know. You should always listen to the feelings and the thoughts that you have and speak them aloud to your your spouse or family and friends, maybe to, mm. to get some guidance about um, what you're feeling and what you're feeling led to do. And don't be afraid to step out on a limb because I'm telling you what, that amazing things could come your way <laughs> if you're willing to, to put yourself out there and do something you've never done and open your heart to, you know, we're talking specifically about fostering and adoption. So I would say the thing I hear most from people is, oh, I couldn't foster because I could never let them go. I could never let them go back home. Well, sometimes that's part of the joy of seeing a family reunited and seeing a mom be able to care for her children when she wasn't able to before. I mean, sometimes that is the, the bigger joy of it all. The pain is there, but how is the joy and the blessing that you'll gain from that? So Mm -hmm. I would just say, listen. Well, I love that. I love that you're just talking about like listening to that voice because we all have that. I mean, you and I are both real women of faith, right? Yes. Yes, But I believe that, that everybody, you know, we have that voice that we, we attribute to, to God talking to us, but I believe, or, you know, God telling us or giving us some real 
direction, right? Uh-huh. But, there, but I believe that people have that, that everybody, whether you're a person of faith or not, that we have this intuition, you know, in us that, that directs us. And so when you can like really follow that voice and take some risk, because yeah. that's what you're talking about, like, that's a huge, huge life changing decision, even just to foster kiddos, it, it can, it's a risk that you took. It's a risk for your, your own kids. It's a risk for your, your house, your family, your marriage, like everything. But you took that risk and it turned out great. And not just for you. I mean, even with your story it turned out to be a huge blessing for other people as well, not just your family, you know? So I really appreciate that. Okay. Thank you very much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I have three, three more questions for you that I'm asking everybody on my podcast. So the first question is a pivotal event that changed you. Just one. I know there are probably 8 million. I would say saying yes to the first group of children that came to live with us. The first foster kids that we took in was life changing. How is it life changing? Well, there are things that you never expect to happen, love that you never expect to give, pain that you never expect to feel, joy, just everything. Everything I ever thought it might be, it was that and so much more. Thank you. That's that's a good encouragement to, to people who might be considering that, that, that one change event, that one changing event of choosing to be foster parents. Okay. Second, a person maybe a person in your life now or recently who's changed you? I would say my husband. How's he changed you? I think that he's taught me about responsibility and making choices that might not be exactly what I want at the time, but looking forward towards the future and, and, and what's coming and making choices that lead and the direction we want to go for that and teaching me to delay instant gratification for what could be in the future probably sounds crazy but part of that is financially um he's very mm-hmm. wise financially and i am not and was not <laughs> and i learned a lot from him about that but also when it just comes to what you do for your family he, you know he is committed and faithful and goes and does what he does every day. He drives a long distance every day so that our family can stay in this community. He's just a good He's man. a pretty good guy. He is a yeah. really good guy. A good, good. Man. Well, I'm, it's kind of fun to be, have been married for so long. You, I think we've been married similar amounts of time. Did you say 33? Did I see that? That's right. Day? Yes. We just celebrated yeah, and 33. And we've been married 31. So yep. really similar times. It's it's nice to have a partner who you've learned from for that length of time of your life. They do obviously change you. Mm-hmm. And you and you him, I'm sure. So, okay, the third one is because I am on a mission this year to read lots of books and to get people to read books. So what's a book that changed you? So this was a really hard one for me. So my initial thought is to say the Bible, but um, I, 
that is true. The Bible has changed me, but I'm going to talk about a different book. Okay. So this is an old book called The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands by Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Um, okay. <laughs> and it's from, gosh, maybe the ni- early 90s. I don't know. It's from a long time ago, but she used to have a radio program. Yep. And she's very no-nonsense. But what what I learned from her book, and, and um, one of the things that, well, the whole concept is, is that men and women are different, and men need certain things, and women need certain things. And as women, we don't always understand what a man needs. And so in, in the book, she kind of just helps us understand a man's psyche and what he needs. And one of the things I remember her saying is that if you meet his needs in these ways, that he'll swim through shark-infested waters for you. (laughs) And so that always kind of stuck with me. But here's the thing about that. That doesn't just apply to men and women in a a marriage relationship. I think it applies to people in everyday life. I mean, everybody that you come in contact with, there's a, there's, something about giving them what they need, being kind, being helpful, being loving, being a servant that will make people want to help you and, and love you and, and do things for you. And that's not the, the idea isn't to do things for people. So they'll do things for you. But the idea is just, just give people what they need and it changes attitudes and it changes emotions and it changes the way people think about you and the way they see you and the way they feel about you when you give them what they need in you know whatever area that applies to I love that I have not read that book so I need to check it out and see what it's all about so I've I've liked some of her stuff so I need to look at that so I like to see no nonsense (laughs) you know she kind of just says it yeah, <laughs> I do remember that that she was kind of a person that just kind of says it the way it is. So yeah. I'll have to check that out. Thank you for that <laughs> recommendation. Thank you so much. Well, Jill, it's so good to talk to you. It's good to and talk to you too. This was fun. I'm very thankful that my daughter found your son so that we could be friends. Well, me too. I mean, whatever they got married, whatever. But <laughs> I, <laughs> it's really about us, you and me. Yeah. It really yeah. is. That's mostly about us. So, well, thank you again. And I hope you have a really great day and we will talk soon and everybody be well. And thanks for joining us today. What a treat it was for me to get to interview Jill, even though adopting a little one in this season of life was not expected at all. I think she said, it's a different story than I ever imagined. It's so evident that she now would not trade it for the world. Sam is a part of their family, and the story she's living is exactly the story she loves. I think that's so cool. Another thing that struck me in this interview was that her kids were the ones who, in the end, pushed to start fostering. And Jill and her husband listened to them. It's so hard sometimes to value that highly your kid's input and be willing to act and actually change your life, the trajectory of your life, because you listen to the heart and desire of your kids. That would change you. That is so validating to them, 
Many people aren't willing to do that with their teenagers. And I was just really impressed by the, that part of the story. I've also been thinking about that since the interview. I want to find ways that I can do that for the people around me. Seriously, what a gift it was for Jill and Brent to provide such a learning experience for their kids. I know it had to make a lasting impact on their life. Their desire to live outside of the story they had imagined has been such a good opportunity for them to be able to create awareness in their community about foster care and adoption. And it has made an impact, I am sure, on countless lives. Didn't you love the story about her facilitating a family coming together? I loved that and thought about it since then. So how about you? Have you been hearing that inner voice? Something inside you driving you to live outside the story you have imagined? If you acted on it, could it change people's lives? Jill says, don't quiet that voice within. Listen to your inner voice and speak those voices out loud. Speak them aloud to your tribe. Don't be afraid to change your story. Sometimes the things that keep us from moving forward, they seem scary and could be too painful these things end up being the biggest blessing when we just risk. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes and you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. Follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friends.